Welcome back to Get Lifted Living. For the month of May, we are focusing on mental health. So I thought, who better to bring than Dr. Antonello Bonci? Dr. Bonci is a neurologist and also the president of the Global Institute on Addictions and also my mentor. So welcome to the show. Amazing. And that is truly beautiful. I, I think the facility is beautiful and the concept is just so beautiful. Um, I got to just <laughs> take a tour and it just, it was just a very um, warm and inviting experience, but also very just relaxing and just, uh, just, you can feel the energy when you walk in there. And that's the only way that I can describe it. Thank now, you so Dr. much. <laughs> you're welcome. Dr. Banchi, you mentioned that you're a neurologist and um, it sounds like you have been studying this topic for quite some time. What, um, what was, what was the initial passion? Like what got you into this industry? Uh, I, it's really simple. The, the initial passion was that I, I, I want to help people. Since I was 12, I started getting intrigued by, by the books of, of one of my cousins who was in medical school. And I always ended up trying to read about psychiatry. What is anxiety? What is depression? What is this mystery that is our brain? And uh, initially, initially, Sarah, I would have never thought of doing any research. I just wanted to go straight to patients. As a matter of fact, I practice in Italy. I don't practice in the US, but I practice in Italy. And I just love to spend time with people. But then during medical school, when I banged my head against the lack of knowledge that we have about so many diseases of the brain, and so many psychiatric diseases, I said, okay, Anto, you can't just uh, see patients. You need to try and do something about figuring out how and why we suffer from you know, stress, from addictions. Why is it that, that the brain changes and how it changes? So it's, it's a really simple thing, Sarah. It, again, was kind of frustration, <laughs> again, and wanted to contribute somehow to to doing more, more for people that, that suffer from, from mental health issues and anxiety and depression. So. Wow, that is amazing. Um, <laughs> I had a chance to Google you before, before our show here because I just wanted to learn a little bit more. And I know that you have contributed to numerous publications, so much research, and um, you specialize in the long-term effects of drug exposure on the brain. Yes. I think that's just so intriguing. Um, and I wanted Dr. Banchi on the show today because mental health, I think, is a topic that kind of gets glazed over, especially among athletes and especially among men. So I really wanted to touch, touch on this topic and almost decriminalize the phrase mental health because it's almost like you hear that and you're like, oh, you know, that's, that's too deep. So true. Um, Yes. So, Dr. Banchi, what would you say, especially with the pandemic and everything that's occurred, do you, I think a lot of us, a lot more of us are suffering from anxiety and depression than we've ever been before, right? Yes, absolutely. It doesn't matter which statistics we are looking at, whether it's the US or Europe or anywhere, the, the numbers of people complaining and suffering from anxiety and depression or addictions are, are, have grown exponentially. So, but, but you're touching, Sarah, on, on another very important topic. For example, in Italy, the majority of my patients are, are women. And uh, there are reasons. Women are usually much 
deeper in understanding what is going on with them. They're much more forward, I have to say, uh, than, than men, than us, than me, in saying what, what they need, even from a medical perspective. And the majority of my Italian male patients are brought by their spouse or by their girlfriend or fiancé. So it's really sad that we, and, and I speak first of all for, for myself, I'm, I'm guilty as charged, we really are not comfortable too many times in just admitting that I have anxiety. I, I am depressed. I'm not myself anymore. And it, it really saddens me because, because there's nothing wrong with that. It's part of us. It's like I, I suffer from arthritis or I'm going through a time in my life where I have anxiety or depression. And uh, we should just be much more comfortable, as you said before, in knowing that there is hope, that there is so much, as I mentioned in the beginning, that uh, psychology, neurology, psychiatry, technology can do together, lifestyle changes. You are a beautiful example, Sarah, on something that has been a lot of research on. Physical activity, proper exercise creates a lot of endogenous chemicals that are actually medications that help us against anxiety, against depression. And the trick is when we combine everything together, very appropriate physical activity, diet, need of, of help whenever we have it from psychology, from a psychiatrist, from medications, from brain stimulation, is that really the, the most intelligent thing to do? And there's nothing to be ashamed of. For sure. I think um, that is so important to touch down on because there is a lot of, um, I don't want to say shame, but especially, um, especially in, in certain cultures too, if you are from a you know, various different cultural backgrounds, it's almost taboo to admit that you're depressed or admit that you're anxious. This is a topic that I'm personally very passionate about because cycling for me was my pathway out of depression and anxiety. And I know that it has been for so many of you guys because you DM me your stories about cycling and how cycling has impacted your mental well-being and your just well-being in general. So I thought that this would be a really just good place to talk, touch down. And then, you know, you have a thought leader and expert in this field here with us today. So tell us a little bit more about the, um, the services that you offer at GIA. So GIA has a very humble approach to, to helping people with anxiety, with depression, with PTSD, with addictions. And the humble approach is that we have a team. We have a medical team that is comprised by psychologists, by neurologists, by psychiatrists. We have actually a neurosurgeon that is in charge of this non-invasive, nearly painless brain stimulation. And uh, we are simply following a very structured procedure to diagnose, first of all, the client, to really figure out their personality, what do they think about life, what is going on really with them, to really get to know them. And we use the best of psychology to do that. Then we take the medical side, comprehensive blood work, for example. So many of us may not even know that we have very low levels of vitamin D, for example, and then we realize that we are tired and we don't know why, or that we feel a little bit depressed or a little bit anxious, or we may have some hormonal imbalances with, through thyroid, through some other hormones. So 
compressive blood work, uh, brain scans, whatever they're needed, a neurological exam, conversations and evaluations from a psychiatrist point of view. And we combine all of this, Sarah, first of all, because the foundation for everyone is to come up with correct diagnosis. And when you have a correct diagnosis, how much is my anxiety? Thank God. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. I, you know, Dr. Banchi, I really love your approach of just really going at it in so many different aspects, um, because I think when I think about like traditional uh, psychotherapy, I think sometimes some of it might be a little too woo-woo, especially for, for some of the athletes. And I think when there is a more scientific and comprehensive approach to helping someone, that might be like the missing link that people don't know about. So if you're just kind of thinking like, oh, therapy is sitting on a couch and telling somebody I'm sad, then that's a really antiquated way of looking at the help that, that is available. I went through a lot of this, and this is why personally this topic is so um, like dear to me, is that most, you know, some of you guys know me from before when I was cycling and when I first got into cycling. For me, the cycling was really just to help with my anxiety. I had overwhelming anxiety and um, that anxiety, just having to deal with anxiety all the time, I think can actually lead into depression because it's a full-time job. And I think that at some point I switched from, you know, drinking and partying to cycling to kind of cope with the pressures of dealing with anxiety on a day in day out basis. So I found something really interesting was when I started talking about this to, you know, a little more publicly on Instagram, I noticed a lot of males reached out and told me a similar story that they used to be a heavy drinker or a heavy user of something. Mm -hmm. And when they found cycling, they were able to kind of replace cycling with this other maladaptive coping strategy. Beautiful. And Beautiful. yes, so you're a cyclist. So you know, the kind of cycling high that comes from being outdoors, getting that good sunshine and getting your blood flowing. And you are also a scientist and a researcher. So do you, can you really say like, can you tell us in a more elegant way than I no, just you did? did it beautiful. You said it beautifully, Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> but sorry. sorry. The, the, like the mind body connection, because I think so many of us kind of want to skip the mind part and we want to go right to the body part. And I think it's helpful when you're in that immediate danger of, I need to replace my bad habits with a good habit. Cycling is great. But over the like the last couple of years where I've consistently exercised, I've also noticed that it was very important to tend to my mind. And that's when I really started, you know, connecting with the therapist and actually exploring what I can do to help myself. Because I realized that while cycling took off the immediate edge, there was still work that I needed to do to, you know, find my happy place without having to cycle all day, every day. So what do you think the mind-body connection is and, and what can we do about it? It's a, it's, it's a great question. It's a simple answer and I will elaborate on that. There is no division between body, brain and mind. We went through several different phases in the history of science where back in the old dark days, we were um, like calling people out as you're not strong enough when they suffered from anxiety or depression or addiction. And then we went, thank God, to a much better state where we finally said, these are simply brain diseases, right? You had changes in certain chemicals when you're anxious or stressed out. It's nothing different than 
suffering from, from a heart problem or from diabetes or hypertension. Then we evolved. We included the entire body. Why is that? Because we know now that many brain problems, I can make an example with Parkinson's disease. I can make examples with anxiety. They affect our entire body, our immune system, and vice versa. Our, our gut microbioma, for example, can affect our well-being through brain chemicals that can really cross the blood-brain barrier from the periphery of our body, from our gut, and go back. Finally, we are reaching what, what probably was obvious to Hippocrates 2,400 years ago, that our body, as the Roman says, mens sana in corpore sano, a sane mind in a sane, healthy body. They speak with each other constantly. When, when you and I cycle, our bodies turn into pharmacies. We produce, if we do it properly, Sarah, not two and a half minutes like, like we do, but seriously for like 45 minutes to an hour, at least, we t- change our bodies into becoming pharmacies. And we produce a lot of chemicals in our body, in our brain, and as you said before, these chemicals can really help us in many, many different ways to make us sleep, to reduce our anxiety, our depression, to strengthen our immune system. But it's not because of the brain is in isolation. It's because of our bodies constantly talking and communicating to our brain and vice versa. And uh, the mind part is the third component. There is something that no matter how much we try to uh, study the brain wiring, which is a phenomenal planet, say universe, there is something else that you can simply measure. And uh, that is what uh, yoga does. That is what meditation, mindfulness, that is what spirituality, whatever it is of any kind adds to, to this equation and every piece is as important as the other. The only thing that really saddens me is when somebody says, come to me, I have the solution. As, as if I said, Sarah, trust me, just do brain stimulation and everything's gonna be fine. I have the right snake oil, not the others. That is horrible because everything has to be taken advantage of and used to our own you know, health, because everything can contribute immensely. So, you know, all these different pieces, body, brain, and mind, we can tune them in sync because we are meant to do that. And that is when you really see miracles. You really see people that no matter how severe their addiction or anxiety or depression was, they really transform their lives and they, they feel themselves for the first time ever. So it's just beautiful to watch when you see the unity of these different components. That is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think that is something that, you know, so many people need to hear because when you think about everyone's, you know, individual experiences, your current state of health and, you know, your genetic information that's been passed down from your parents, the kind of you know, environment you grew up in, there's so many different factors. And when you're not looking at the whole picture and you're just saying, let me fix your brain or let me, let me get your depression with a single pill. And I don't really need to hear about anything else or check anything else. I think that can turn people off. Um, 
because it's such a highly individual journey for all of us. I know that you do a lot of um, like brain scans and I definitely want to ask you about the TMS, but before we get into that, I'm just curious when you, um, when you, is there physical differences in the brain from someone who has been, you know, doing drugs or um, depressed for a long time? Does the brain actually look different in a, like a happy brain versus a depressed brain? That that is a beautiful question. There, There is a technology that is called functional imaging that is measuring changes of blood flow in, in people, in people with depression, in people without depression, in people with certain types of addiction, in people with anxiety and burnout. So yes, yes, with this technology, with functional imaging, many, many clinicians and scientists have shown differences, right? But here's the important news. A feature of our brain is that no matter if I am 20 years old or 90 years old, my brain can keep on producing plasticity. Plasticity means new brain connections and new memories. So no matter, no matter what I see when I suffer from depression, when I suffer Anto, from anxiety, that is not something that is set in stones because of my genes, as you mentioned before, because of what happened to me. My brain can learn and rewrite new pathways, new memories, new brain connections, I mean, and uh, it can be changed. And in fact, the images, even of people when they suffer from, from certain conditions after therapies, when therapies work, they absolutely change after, after physical exercise, after listening to music. So the, our brain is a very dynamic environment. And like, like, like your legs, if you're a cyclist and, and your body, you can train it and you can keep on training it as long as you like. That's, that's the good news. Nothing is set in stone and can, can be reversed, especially when we're talking about, again, anxiety, depression or addictions. Now, it's a, even, even in cases, Sarah, even when people had certain types of, of brain damage, for example, pe- people that had a stroke, even if the lesion per se is there, our brain is able to rewrite around this roadblock, new brain connections and kind of overcome the lesion that, that, that was created by the damage. So again, we have these billions of connections that can keep on remodeling and changes like, like a notion that is never, never still and can always change and improve. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. It's just great to hear that the brain is so resilient. Um, I think if you've ever struggled with alcoholism or depression or anything like that, I think especially when you've gone through periods where you've really mistreated your body, um, you know, there's that worry of, have I done too much damage? Have I really, you know, I think people say they used to have that drug commercial where they, you know, broke an egg. Like, is this irreversible? Like, have I damaged myself so much that I should just give up and just, you know, this is, this is what I get. And to hear that the brain is so resilient and that, you know, you can continue to heal yourself um, and that there are people who can help you heal yourself. I think that's really hopeful and, you know, gives a lot of optimistic views. Um, you know, we've all been there, I think, and yeah. except for the very few, I think we've all been there where we've had 
less than stellar ways of dealing with stress in our lives, especially here in Miami. I think it's very common to turn to substance abuse. Um, you know, I myself am guilty of it in my 20s and even my early 30s. So I wanted to just kind of come forward and not hide this and not be like, you know, like I said, I just want to decriminalize this because there are ways to feel better and there are ways to get help you need. And I, I think just hearing from you that the brain can heal makes me feel very optimistic. Yes, there is always, Sarah, there is always room to improve. We have seen, unfortunately, people with some severe damage. I've seen them in Italy, in our clinics. I've seen them here. But uh, there is always room for improvement if you really take advantage of, of everything. Of course, you know, those less fortunate people that had severe brain damage because of drugs. And unfortunately, there are some that are really young and that only tried drugs once. Those are the, you know, the less fortunate people. You struggle more. They struggle more, but, but there is hope and there is a lot that can be done. So there's no, no reason to give up. There's no reason not to try to really take advantage of everything that we know now in 2021 and really use it to, to feel better, to get better. If there's anyone out there listening that's just struggling with this or it's something that you're just kind of keeping to yourself and you're afraid to talk about it, um, you know, I just want you to know, A, you're not alone and B, there is, you know, there are people that can help you. So please don't like suffer through this by yourself. Thank you, Sam. It's, it's a beautiful message. And, <laughs> and along those lines, if I may, I hope that we will be able to share my, my email address at the end. It's santo.bonci at gr.miami. But I speak with everyone because, again, I don't practice, but I'm kind of the geek, the scientist of the company, and I chat with everyone. So it's free. If anybody has any questions, if anybody wants to know more about, again, what can be done on these conditions that, that we summarize quickly, they can always reach out to me on my, on my GMIMI. And uh, I, again, I love to speak with everyone and share whatever I know, independent from whether or not they are in Miami, they want to come to GIA, or they just need help for a loved one who's on the other side of this planet. I don't care. Happy to speak with everyone. So. Well, thank you. I, I really love that about you, Dr. Banchi. He's literally the most down-to-earth person I've ever met and um, just like really willing and ready to speak to anyone. So I will put his contact information in the show notes below. Make sure you take a look and yeah, please don't suffer in silence. The next thing I want to get a little techie here and ask you, I know that you're a pioneer in just all of the brain mapping and the brain studying. What is transcranial magnetic stimulation? I, I, I wish I was a pioneer on all these things. I'm, 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 thank you very kind. <laughs> uh, so I, I pioneered the science behind the use of this machine, transcranial magnetic stimulation for cocaine addiction. My laboratory, my, my scientist, my group. What, what, what is this technology, Sarah? This is one of the best kept secrets, unfortunately, in this planet because Transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS, is a technology that clinicians had in the clinic since 1985, started from the United Kingdom with Dr. Anthony Barker. And it's a technology, it's a very safe, non-invasive technology, no needles. 
it has the intensity of a AAA battery in terms of this magnetic electromagnetic field. And uh, it's a technology that was brought to the clinic for the treatment of people that suffer from severe depression that were resistant to medications. And uh, since 1985, this technology has, has progressed a lot. And now there is a lot of indications. For example, anxiety as well. It's, it's one of the off-label uses or, or PTSD and addictions. But my contribution to the use of TMS was that my laboratory with this wonderful postdoc named Billy Chen demonstrated back in 2013 through an article in Nature that uh, when we look at brain activity in rodents or people suffering from cocaine addiction, chronic cocaine, there are strong similarities. Both, in both cases, we have a very low activity of the frontal cortex, the decision-making control center, the freedom center of our decisions. The activity of the frontal cortex goes down, both in rodents after chronic cocaine, self-administration, and people with that functional imaging that we talked about. What we demonstrated, what Billy demonstrated, is that when you stimulate with a technology called optogenetics in rodents, these brain regions, this frontal cortex, decision-making control, rats would lose interest in cocaine almost immediately. So very quickly, back in 2015, through a group of wonderful collaborators in Europe, we suggested to use this non-invasive brain stimulation, TMS, to help people with addiction. We started from cocaine addiction, and then we saw with alcohol use disorders as well with gambling. And one by one by one, more than 2,000 people just in those beautiful clinics in Italy with very severe addictions. 16, 17 years of use, they had tried everything you can imagine. They all started saying the same things. I'm not craving cocaine anymore. I don't think about cocaine or alcohol anymore. I don't want to drink anymore. Or I am in control again of my life. Somehow, like in rodents, which is incredible, even if our biology is 90 percent similar in terms of brain chemicals and receptors when we turn on like in rodents this frontal cortex people regain the ability to make their own decision and it's not the drug or the addiction to make the decisions for them and uh, that's something incredible because this technology has no intellectual property i don't own anything we just offer it to our patients and uh, it's very powerful because when you offer that in combination with proper diagnosis, a psychological path, very structured, any medications, if people have to take medications, they're welcome. Any spirituality, mindfulness, physical exercise, the more the merrier. Are they seeing AA or any other community? We love it. But... This, the beauty of this technology is, is that it doesn't take anything away from the rest that a person is doing or that wants to do. It adds something to empower them to make their own decisions. And uh, it's, it's just incredible. So we developed this. We published tons of studies. Many other amazing groups around the world published beautiful studies of the use of this stimulation for cocaine addiction, for alcohol use disorders, for gambling. And it's expanding, expanding, expanding. So 
I'm very proud of having been part of these very early stages of this technology and uh, have seen so many lives changed because of that. So we, we have that at GIA and uh, I show it to, to everyone. I use TMS. I do it on my own. There, there is a video that I'm going to post soon because I have trouble sleeping sometimes because I'm anxious. It took me forever to admit that I am an anxious person. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I do TMS on, on myself and it's changed my life. And uh, so it's an amazing technology. Wow, that is amazing. I think that for anybody out there who is on the fence, um, if you've ever had a just a physician kind of push a prescription at you and you immediately feel that resistance of like, well, I don't, I don't want to be on an antidepressant. I'm not depressed. This is a non, you know, non-medicated way to treat something. And I think that's something that's so beautiful because a, from what I understand and even have personally experienced, I think that sometimes the medication route can be a hit or miss. You have to have the patience, you have to have the right doctor, and also your your body has to accept it. So, you know, you have to be able to deal with the side effects of certain medications and antidepressants and things like that. So I think with TMS that it can work with or without you know, external factors like medications. I think that's such a appealing way it's, to go. Uh, it's appealing, Sarah, because as I mentioned briefly, a lot of our clients have tried medications and, you know, I'm, I'm the happiest when just a single medication, which I've saved millions of lives, works. And the patient, even my patients in Italy have no side effects. It's easy, it's fast, it's simple, God bless. But But there are, tons of people that have tried most medications and as you mentioned correctly they have side effects that they cannot tolerate they don't want to gain weight with certain medications or they just feel groggy or they, they don't feel okay and this this brain stimulation which is a different type of medication sarah works for them now like medications what is missing in science, and many groups are working on that, is to create predictors. Predictors that would allow us to know mm. a priori, before I start the treatment, who is responding to this medication, who is responding to this type of brain stimulation. But when we give brain stimulation to our patients, there are four main things that happen from a chemical point of view. And I want to really stress this one is a chemical effect like like the medications that are changing certain brain chemicals like if you use ssris you block the serotonin transporter and whatnot so you change the activity of serotonin with brain stimulation you induce a lot of chemicals to be released in our brain from dopamine to growth factors to this and that and that so is a much broader, less specific neurochemical effect. The second effect is that TMS and a few beautiful studies by Bumizangin in Israel and others have shown it produces brain plasticity. As I mentioned before, new brain connections, mm. which is a very important effect. This is why there are some really cool studies done in people that had stroke to rehab them post-stroke. We have a third effect, which is a change in um, blood flow, as I mentioned before. So there is an increase in brain blood flow. 
And some new studies have shown that there is also an anti-inflammatory effect. When you go and measure in the peripheral blood the levels of certain uh, inflammatory factors, like certain interleukins, IL-7 and whatnot, they are reduced. So you basically have, a me- as, as if you took several different medications at very low doses at the same time when 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 you do tms and and i'm sure that there is much more than that there is this magnetic field on top of the electro electrical field that for sure does something as as we know magnetism is one of the main forces of the universe we know that we don't begin to understand what magnetism does to to our body we know that magnetic fields can influence us in very positive ways but we just don't understand. We don't have the science yet to, to begin to scratch that surface. So in part, we know what the effects are, and in part, it still remains a mystery. This is why tons of amazing labs all over the world are actually still studying, constantly studying the effects of TMS in, in, in the brain. But what we know after 35 years of use of TMS is that even pregnant women, for example, can do TMS during pregnancy. There are studies published several years ago on that, just to give you a sense of safety. And it's actually safer than many medications that you wouldn't want to take during pregnancy because of side effects. So we know a lot about it in terms of side effects, in terms of positive effects. And uh, that's why I love this technology so much. Yeah, I mean, I think that is very helpful because there are a lot of us who just don't want to be on medications just as an opinion or a, or a feeling. But also, I think when you're an athlete and when you're competing, you don't really want to hinder your clarity in any way. So I think there's a resistance in that. And, um, and then also, too, you know, I think there are people who work in government or that carry weapons and things like that. And, you know, it's a huge no-no, I think, for them to be on any kind of um, – you know, medications for sleep or for, for anxiety or anything like that. And I think this option is not talked about enough because I notice that most people just go from either I have to be medicated or I have to medicate myself yes. outside in my own way, whatever that is. I think that giving this like third, there's an area in between, there's a third option. I think that's so important for people to know. Like you said, it is 2021. You know, we are, we are in a whole new era. Given the these intense times yes. that we've experienced, we can expect the the whiplash yes. of COVID on the mental health yes. of so many people. Is that is that something you're seeing yes. a little influx coming in? Oh gosh, you're, having... you're touching on okay. another very important topic. We have we have many patients that had COVID that are experiencing very new effects in terms of fatigue and unexplainable depression or anxiety that they never had. I, I really believe that, but, but this is not new, so I, there are plenty of articles about this, that we don't really fully understand the long-term consequences of COVID on people that had it, especially on, on their brain functions or symptoms. We know that TMS does seem to help them a lot. And even in terms of, at least you're touching on something that is only anecdotal because I've seen just a few of these. In terms of physical performance, people in general say that they concentrate more or that if, if they're runners, 
or cyclists, but not, not professional people that I, I can speak of, they run better or faster or that they can simply focus more or better than, than, than before TMS. Now, whether that is a placebo effect, whether that is a, a real effect, we, we don't know. But uh, we have heard that even in terms of physical and mental performance, that uh, it does help a lot of people better than, than, than a lot of medications that athletes, for example, can't take for a long series of reasons. So being having your mind intact is so important for athletes because that is kind of you know where we drive our energy and motivation from and it makes total sense that your performance can improve when your right. mind is at ease i can definitely you know those days when you go out to train and you're just not able to get yourself in the zone or you go to the gym and you just can't lift as heavy as you want to and it's, you know, due to kind of the heaviness of the stress of whatever is going on in your life, you know, you perform better when you're happier and well rested. So Correct. there's many aspects to it. And I think um, ha tending to your mind, and I think a lot of coaches refer to this as mental fitness, you have to yes. talk to yourself, <laughs> you have to have a relationship with yourself. And I think that's what the athlete journey is. Yes, it's physical improvement, but it's the ability to coax yourself when you don't have any more energy and you don't want to move forward or you're too scared to do that next climb. It's, it's that developing that relationship with yourself. And I think a lot of people, when they think about sports, they think no. it's a very physical thing, but it's actually a very 100%. emotional and mental thing. The best athletes are, are as, as you say, Sarah, they have that sync between their body and their mind. That's why they're, they're super athletes. Can you tell me a little bit about how do you personally handle all of the stress coming at you. So you're running this amazing facility. You have research, you have staff, and you have patients. And, uh, and then you have your regular life. How do you deal with all of, all of it coming at you at once? How do you handle stress on a day-to-day -day so, basis for you so personally? So I go to yoga every night. That, that I'm telling you. I came back from, from yoga a second ago before we started there. So that, that always helps me. <laughs> yoga saved my life, seriously. I love cycling. So I, I exercise every day at least for an hour rain or shine i'm dead for an hour i don't exist i am at yoga i i, I go to work with my bicycle because i just love bicycling and uh, and the the, the conversations i have with patients here in miami or or when when i practice in italy it's a very strange feeling sarah because yes on one hand it drains me i am exhausted but but on the other hand I feel energized, like nothing makes me so, it, it makes me feel so satisfied and fulfilled. So I handle, I don't, I don't know, honestly, I mean, because I'm, I'm a man, how I handle stress poorly. I just, I try to, <laughs> to really, how can I say this? I try to uh, not take myself too seriously. I, I suffer from, from, you know, I, I had a major surgery for colon cancer exactly two years ago. And uh, that changed me wow. a lot because honestly, I thought that I was not going get, to get out of that surgery table because of, because of, you know, life. So since then, I have to say that I take everything less seriously. So it takes a lot to stress me out. It has to be really life or death. But, mm -hmm. but in general listening to somebody that comes at GIA, speaking with them, 
is, is not stress, it's pleasure. It's physically very intense and I feel exhausted at the end of the day, but it's a very good, healthy exhaustion. Absolutely. I think that's, that's yes. being passionate, you know, that's actually yes. having so, passion for what you so do. I don't even know if it's stressful or not. It's, uh, I obsess about perfecting everything with every single client that, that we have at GIA struggling constantly to solve every single problem because nothing is easy, right? You need to fully commit to everyone that comes and really try to go above and beyond what, what you think you can do so it's very intense but but it's it's an it's an healthy stress if, if i can call it that way and it's very manageable it's just it's 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 pleasure actually it's a strange pleasure through stress probably yes i think anyone who works yeah. in the bike industry can tell you the same thing um <laughs> we love it it stresses us out and most of us are workaholics but at the end of the day that's exactly there's nothing that's else exactly, we'd rather be doing it's it's beautiful to say so. <laughs> Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I really appreciate your time. How can people get in touch with you? I want to just touch base on this just one last time because, you know, Dr. Bonchi and Gia, I don't want, I think I love, I really just love how down to earth you are. Like, you know, you cycle to work, you, you just, you want to help everybody. And I feel like not everyone is like that. Not, not everyone, you know, offers that kind of hand, you know, like reaching out of the hand. So if you guys are listening, I really urge you to take advantage of this because you're not, you know, to get someone who is as, you know, such an expert like Dr. Bonchi to be willing to speak and give you guidance. For me, I met him on a marketing tour and I immediately, I was like, wow, okay, I need to learn more from this person. I need his feedback. I want him to be my mentor and tell me how to, you know, navigate things. So if you you know, are listening, please, you know, definitely take this opportunity. How, how can um, people get in touch with you? So uh, they are more than welcome to, to email me. That's the easiest. And my email is anto.bonci at uh, Miami. They can check our website. We have a phone number there that they can call and ask to speak with me if they don't want to email first. And they can check our website if they like, and, and again, get in touch with me, email us at Gia or email me directly, Gia. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Bonchi. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you like this episode, please be sure to give it a like and a follow on your favorite podcast platform or get social with us on Instagram at Get Lifted Living. You can also find me, your host, Sarah Raw at Get Lifted Miami. Thanks and stay passionate until next time.